Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome along to this La Liga Loda midweek podcast about the Japanese Teenage sensation Takifusa Kubo. He's part of the 21st century generation of players coming through, born on June 4th, 2001. He grew up in the city of Kawasaki and, after standing out at his local football teams, he earned a move to Football Club Barcelona. So, who better to talk us through this early chapter in the Kubo story than our Barcelona expert, Roman de Arquer? Takefusa Kubo's ties to Barcelona go back to 2009 when he was barely eight years old. He was spotted by Oscar Hernández Romero, a former Barca coach and scout who at the time was organizing a football campus in Yokohama. It all started in the second week of this campus, when a talented little boy who was barely 125 centimeters tall impressed Hernández and was chosen MVP. He was then invited to join one of Barca's football academies in Fukuoka in the south of Japan. Hernández and Ivan Palanco, who was the director of the academy, kept a close eye on him and confirmed what they'd seen earlier on, his unbelievable talent. In April 2010, Kubo was then invited to take part in a tournament in Belgium, playing for one of Barcelona's youth team squads. They ended up in third position, but Kubo was chosen MVP above all others after netting 9 of the 12 goals scored by his team. This then prompted Hernández to write a report back to Barcelona on the Japanese prodigy, revealing his qualities which said as follows. Kubo dominates both legs. Dribbling is his best virtue as he carries the ball hooked to his feet and is very fast executing technical actions with great precision. Tactically, very disciplined and supportive of the team. He always offers passing lines and knows how to get past defenses. His degree of maturity is impressive for a child his age. He's caring, respectful, educated and committed. And most importantly, his decision making is quick and effective. Despite the praise, Kubo's arrival to Barca had to wait. He returned to Japan to play for Kawasaki Frontale, but they always kept close contact with him until he was presented to Guillermo Amor in 2011. After a few weeks of tryouts, Kubo was asked to join La Masia, although it wasn't common for Barca to accept international players under the age of 13. The fact that his mom found a job in the city and opted to live with Kubo eased out the process. 
He joined the under-11s and had an immediate impact. But in his first full season, which was 2012-2013, came the stunning numbers. He scored a total of 74 goals in 30 matches. He ended up being the top scorer in two of the three and a half seasons he spent at the club. He even played with Ansu Fati, who recently made his debut for Barca's first team, at a summer tournament where both players shined by scoring and assisting. Overall, he had a promising future at Barcelona and was even promoted to the under-13s in 2014. But his career at the club was disrupted that same season due to a sanction imposed by FIFA. What happened was that between 2009 and 2013, Barca didn't follow the 19th article stated in FIFA's regulations on the status and transfer of players. Ten of Barca's La Masia players were affected by this policy, including Takefusa Kubo, which prohibited the club from playing them until they were actually 18. FIFA also banned Barca from being able to sign players during all 2015 due to these irregularities when signing international minors. Because of this, Kubo spent a long time without being able to play. He couldn't even train with his teammates, which consequently meant not being with his friends. He would watch their matches from the sidelines, but that didn't do much to help, and even made him more eager to play again. So finally, his family decided the best thing they could do was return to Japan, where he joined FC Tokyo's junior team. Back in Japan, Kubo's development was rapid. He rose through the ranks quickly at FC Tokyo, gained experience on loan at Yokohama F Marinos, and then made it to the first team. So let's bring in Ben Maxwell, an FC Tokyo fan and host of the J-Talk podcast, to talk about Takifusa Kubo, the J-League years. So hi Ben, let's talk a little bit about Kubo's time back in Japan. After returning to Japan from Barcelona, Kubo joined FC Tokyo and was already playing for the B team at, at 15 years of age, right? What do you remember about his first steps back then in 2015? Was there loads of hype and buzz around him? There was indeed, Ewan. Um, yeah, it was, uh, he was a, a huge story, obviously. Uh, you know, diehard football fans were aware of him when he was, uh, you know, setting records for the uh, the youth teams at Barcelona. And then, uh, yeah, once he was basically, yeah, forced to return to Japan, there was a lot of speculation about which club he would uh, go to. He came through uh, the youth ranks with Kawasaki, and so a lot of people expected him to go back there. But uh, he decided to to join FC Tokyo, and uh, myself as a an FC Tokyo supporter was uh, was very happy that we got the uh, this uh, future jewel in uh, Japan's crown. Yeah, there was uh, you know I don't want to use the the Japanese messy term, but that was being floated around <laughs> even back then. You know when he was fifteen and, and returned returned to Japan. I can imagine. And and what about when he stepped up to the first team then at FC Tokyo? What was that transition like for him? Well, yeah, in 2018, he uh, he started playing for the uh, the the first team in the uh, the League Cup, 
Um, he'd, he'd made a couple of substitute appearances in the league as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he spent most of la- the first half of last year with with the, uh, the what's it's called the under-23s. But, as you say, it's basically the, the B team playing in the third division here. Um, and, you know, it was, it was difficult to judge him because, I mean, at that time he was a, a 16-year-old turning 17 and, you know, he's playing against men and that's... Uh, a very rare thing in Japan. In Japan, most most players, you know, they uh, they at least finish high school before they're thrown into the first team. So, um, for you know, for us as FC Tokyo supporters, it was uncharted waters seeing this um, this uh, this youngster being uh, being thrown in. But yeah, obviously, he had such big raps on him that the club basically had to see whether he was going to sink or swim. And yeah, the lack of uh, first team opportunities last year, um, uh, I guess. Uh, there, there were there were rumours that he his uh, he was behind the the loan move to Yokohama in the second half of last season, and I think that was probably um, before the start of this season. That was probably the most important part of, of his development after he had arrived back in Japan. And how did he do there during that loan spell? Well, yeah, he he was thrown straight into the team basically by the by Yokohama's uh, Australian manager Ange Postacoglu, and he actually scored on his uh, league debut, on his J1 debut for Yokohama. Mm. So their supporters were obviously um, very very excited about that, and uh, they they hoped that um, you know him uh, playing there would uh, possibly lead him to sign with them for for this season. But as it was, he it was um, it kind of petered out a bit. He was injured as well. He it was only limited to five appearances, and I think it was only one start, that, that, that game that he, um, or maybe it was two, I can't remember, but yeah, he, um, after that early uh, early flash, he kind of, um, he did fade towards the end of the season, so um, he came back to Tokyo, and we, we basically knew that he was going to be off uh, the, the day he turned 18, that was the rumour um, pretty much from the time he, he started playing for uh, for the under-23 team, uh, you know, 15 years and five months or whenever it was, there were there were rumours flying around that he'd already ar- arranged to return to Barcelona at the, at the, the day after he turned 18. So basically the FC Tokyo manager, uh, Kenta Hasegawa, uh, I think he was probably his hand was forced a little bit by the front office. I mean, you've got this duel and you might only have him for six months. So let's let's throw him in. He'd done all right as I say, at the start of his time at Yokohama. So let's throw him in, see how he does. And how he did was, um, well, saying he set the league alight is probably a little bit too strong, but he Mm. was electric at times. And he he was um, something that FC Tokyo supporters had, had not had for uh, for a number of years, a really a pace a pacey attacking winger who um, you know basically struck fear into the hearts of of J one opponents at, at the, the the tender age of seventeen as he was at the time and um, even within the, the the couple of months he was uh, involved in the first team at the start of the twenty nineteen season you could just see a massive difference and um, he he left a hole in, in the team there's absolutely no question about that when when he left to uh, to join Real. And during those months when he was in the first team, was it was there a specific moment, a specific piece of skill, a specific goal? Was there a moment where you just knew he was something different? It was the, the first league game. If you, if I could go mm. back that early, yeah, we were playing away at the two-time defending champions Kawasaki. Uh, the team obviously he'd come through as a as a junior with before um, heading over to, to Spain to to sign for Barcelona in in their youth academy, and he just absolutely showed no fear. And um, for for the entire game, he took the uh, the Kawasaki defence on. Um, he took his fair share of kicks 
and he got straight back up. And um, yeah, he he didn't score in that game. It finished nil nil, but he he showed enough there. Um, for me to realise that, yeah, he wasn't just being thrown in as a gimmick and he wasn't just there to, uh, you know, so we could uh, get uh, as much use out of him as we as we could before he left the day he turned 18. I mean, he, he did make a, a significant difference from, uh, from the start of the season. And um, by hook or by crook, the, the team has managed to stay up at the top of the table since he's left. But there's, there's no question at all that the, the, the manager and um, the playing group have really felt his loss because the the create creativity, uh, the attacking verve he showed in those uh, in those first however many games it was, fifteen games or so, has has been very very difficult to replicate. And how much is he missed by the fans? I remember seeing the video clips um, when he gave that speech when he was leaving with the packed stadium. How how much do the fans miss him, even though he was there in the first team for such a short time? Yeah, it's a really interesting one, Ewan, because he, to some, in some people's eyes, he was um, he was a little bit of a, uh, again, I don't know if mercenary is the right word, but we we, we knew that he was um, probably using us as much as we were using him. I mean, he'd gotten his experience in the under twenty three team in in the third division at you know fifteen sixteen years of all, uh, of age, then st- stepped up to the first team, um, and obviously he'd be playing he'd been playing for the uh, for Japan uh, in various uh, youth levels uh, in the meantime as well. But um, so w- we knew it was coming. Um, I, I think at, at the the same time, uh, most of us hoped with, with fingers crossed that, that Real Madrid would um, let us uh, loan him back for the last six months of this year because, um, you know, we, we probably thought, yeah, now he's not going to get into the, uh, the Real first team this year. So uh, rather than join their, uh, their second team, why couldn't he just stay with us for, uh, for another six months? But, I mean, yeah, at the same time, there was a real attachment and, um, a, a, but also a sense of pride knowing that, you know, we'd brought this, this young fellow through for the last two and a half, uh, three years. And uh, now we were sending him on his way at, at, at 18. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's very rare to see a Japanese player move that young. So, uh, yeah, he, he certainly left with, uh, with everybody's best interest. But as I say, it's been very, very difficult to replace. There's still a lot more of the Takifusa Kubo story to tell. And after this short break, will you return to discuss his move to Real Madrid, his pre-season performances, his loan to Real Mallorca and his rising prominence in the Japanese national team. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown podcast about the Takifusa Kubo story. I'm your host, Hugh McTeer, and in the first half, we heard from Roman de Arker and Ben Maxwell about his time at Barcelona and Tokyo. Kubo's now in the books at Real Madrid after they picked him up in the summer, even though several of Europe's top clubs, including Barcelona, wanted him. And Barca and El Mundo, El Mundo, number one equipo. That was a young Kubo labelling Barcelona the best team in the world. So how did he end up at Real Madrid? Well, there were a number of reasons, from the plans for his path to their respective first teams to the financial element. It was also reported by Marca that Barcelona mistakenly believed that his FC Tokyo contract didn't expire until January of 2020, because that's what was stated on Transfer Market. The reality is that his contract expired in the summer of 2019, and that's when Real Madrid picked him up, announcing his arrival on June 14th. Let's hear now from Kian Savani of ManagerMadrid.com about Kubo's excellent pre-season with Los Blancos. So let's talk to Kian now from Manager Madrid. Kian, you've seen a lot of Real Madrid's pre-season. That's when Kubo really hit the headlines. He came in, he performed excellently in some of the games. He was always going viral with the clips from training. How good was he in the summer? Was he just so good that Real Madrid decided he can't be in Castilla? Yeah, I think that was that was clear. Um, I think there there was a case that like, yeah, maybe he's not ready for the first team yet. Although everyone thought he looked quite capable of holding his own against some of the best players. But um, whether that was the case or not, the reality was that for sure he was too good for Castilla. And I, you know, if I'm a Real Madrid fan, I'm excited about him going to Mallorca because the difference from Segunda Bay to Segunda is crazy. Let alone jump to La Liga. So the level he'll be playing at week in week out among Spain's best. Just totally night and day from the practice, he'd be getting up, beating up on uh, Castilla, Castilla players and uh, our opponents in Segunda Bay, where, let's be honest, not only is the level quite low, but also there's also room for injury risk um, with a lot of reckless challenges and a lot of studs-up challenges and a lot of leg-breaking things going on. So him going to Mallorca, playing in a team, hopefully, I don't know if he's a guaranteed starter right away or if he plays every second, but certainly he'll get enough playing time where that's the level you need him at. What about the Vinicius formula? So we saw last season that Vinicius was in Castilla. He had a few games there, got used to Madrid, got settled in, did well, and then made his way into the first team. Why has that formula not been repeated this time? There's a problem with passports and non-EU spaces in the first team squad. Is that it? Or is there another reason why they don't want to repeat the formula they used last year with Vinicius? Well, I wouldn't label the non-EU thing as much of a problem because I think one of the loopholes you can is you can just stash them in Castilla and it doesn't count towards the EU stuff. But um, now we have to also remember we already have uh, that version of 
last year's Vinicius in Castilla with Rodrigo there. So to have two of them there might be overkill. And I think one of the, the things with Vinicius last season, I think a lot of us didn't really see the logic of keeping him in Castilla. And we also have to realize that the reality of that season was that it was a freak season where if Solari doesn't come in, we may have not even seen Vinicius break out at all. Um, so we may not have even seen that Castilla experiment work. There's probably a, that scenario. I think Kubo's not going to play much. So the better scenario is just to have him play more often. And finally, from a Real Madrid perspective, what would make this season a good season for, for Kubo and his progress? What kind of things are you expecting from him over in Mallorca? Well, I'd like to see some of the similar things that we've seen successful with other Real Madrid in that you can you can take the example of, for example, Carvajal and Vallejo, who learned and grew so much in the Bundesliga. But also, if you want to look at the examples closer to home, I mean, there are players that left Castilla and you never thought that be they'd amount to much, like Oscar Rodriguez, who under Pellegrino, under a really nice um, tactical scheme in Leganes, he's he's grown so much as a footballer. And, you know, I think Kubo's ceiling is way higher than Oscar's, for example. There's no question about that. But the point is that you're playing week in, week out against good opposition. You're going to grow. Um, so that's what, what I would be looking to keep an eye on, to see how he holds up, um, how his strength holds up against some of the bigger guys in the league. And uh, and also, if you can keep that blitzing pace and form and the technique and everything, how he'll do against opposition like that so i just i just be looking for growth and he can only do that by playing consistently at a high level and you'll be following them on loan tracker with manager madrid this season that's right yes every tuesday morning for our patrons we review all of real madrid's loanees and we discuss them on the podcast kubo is simply too good to play in spain's third division with the real madrid b team but he wouldn't earn many minutes with the first team either at least not yet so the solution was to loan him out he already speaks excellent Spanish. Nacho even joked that the player's Spanish is better than that of some Spaniards. So Real Madrid were confident that he'd feel home anywhere in Spain, and they ended up picking Real Mallorca. So let's bring in Mr. Mallorca, Alex Fitzpatrick, to tell us about the excitement levels at the newly promoted La Liga Club. The arrival last week of Kubo at the club came totally out of the blue for even the most in-the-know journalists on the island. This summer has almost created the perfect storm for Mallorca fans, who, up until last week, had been mostly underwhelmed with the club's recruitment. When the news of Kubo broke, the excitement hit another level. Twitter was full of photos of his arrival at the airport, and it became an open but unconfirmed secret that he'd be signing. The fans are delighted and know of his quality and reputation. YouTube videos of his goals and footage of him training in Madrid have been viewed on repeat and there's been a real buzz around the fan base. Sunday's game against Real Sociedad even saw a group of fans dressed in traditional Japanese attire to welcome him to the club. It's not just the Mallorca fans who are excited. The Japanese press have flown from Tokyo to be in Mallorca and track his every move, with many disappointed that he didn't make the matchday squad for Sunday's game. It's emerged that the club first made contact back in March and the American owners gave CEO Maheta Malongo their full backing to get his man. There's a very good relationship between Malongo and Jose Angel Sanchez, the Real Madrid director of football, due to previous transfers and Alexi Fabas, of course, transferring to Mallorca this summer. 
Mallorca is a place where Real Madrid know they will get quality coaching and that Kubo will have opportunities to play. He'll be treated well by the staff and the media and it's a good environment for him to be in at this stage of his career. Kubo isn't the first Japanese player to play for Mallorca. He's actually the third. The first was Yoshito Okubo, centre-forward who joined in January 2005. He was awarded the best Asian under-23 player and Mallorca snapped him up. He started well, with a goal and an assist on his debut, but suffered injuries and managed only three goals in 13 games. However, he was able to still contribute strongly to Mallorca staying in La Liga that season, with two vital goals in the final running and they stayed up by two points. The following season, he was a bit part player and returned to Japan. Akihiro Lenaga was the second and he arrived in January 2011. Legana started a number of games in midfield for the club, but his appearances quickly petered out and he too returned to Japan just over 12 months after his arrival. Hopes are high that Kubo will be able to settle better than his predecessors. It seems he's a step up in quality from his fellow countrymen that came before him, but also he has the advantage of already being fluent in Spanish and being accustomed to the lifestyle and climate following his time in Madrid and Barcelona. Now, what about Kubo's international career? He's played for the senior Japanese national side, making his competitive debut at this summer's Cup America. And here's Paco Pollock to tell us more about how much he dazzled in Brazil. Nice little ball forward to Nakayama. And the return by Kubo. Oh, he squeezes through the teenager. That would have been one of the stories of the opening week of Copa America. He has always, always, always been given the spotlight in the national team since he became a member of the under-15 squad. He has played for all of the youth teams until finally making his Japan first team debut a few months ago, on June 9th, 2019, in a friendly against El Salvador. It was his first cap in a summer he will never forget, as he wasn't 18 and he had already been named in the official Japanese squad for 2019 Copa America. A few days later, on June 14th, Real Madrid announced his signing. Being a Real Madrid player doubled down on the spotlight placed upon him, but he wasn't deterred by the pressure. In fact, Kubo did pretty well for a rookie in the tournament. Even though Japan lost 4-0 against Chile in the first game, the number 10 was one of the few bright spots in his team. His second official game wasn't as good, as he only played the last 15 minutes against Uruguay in a 2-2 draw. And finally, his third game was an absolute masterclass with several key assists and even a disallowed goal in the 90th minute. But Japan couldn't beat Ecuador and after another 1-1 draw, they were out of the 2019 Copa America. Takefusa Kubo couldn't save his team, but his path in the international stage has only begun. It's all only just beginning for Takifusa Kubo. He still hasn't made a senior competitive appearance in European club football. But there's so much hype and excitement around this player for good reason. He'll soon play for Real Mallorca in La Liga and surely he'll soon do so for Real Madrid as well. He's one to watch, as they say, so let's watch him. We certainly will be on La Liga loadin and we'll be following his progress very closely. That's all then from us from this midweek podcast. I'm your host, Hugh McTeer, and my thanks go out to Ben Maxwell of J-League Talk and Keen Savani of Managing Madrid and to La Liga Lowdown's Roman de Arquer, Alex Fitzpatrick and Paco Pollitt and of course to you the listeners. Until next time.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.